as I was walking through the pews and I touched where you are sitting at. How I know that? Because I touched every pew. And as walking through the aisles, I was saying, Lord, fall on us. Let your Holy Spirit fall on us. Pray that with me, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit fall on me. Even now, Lord. Fall on me, even now, Lord. Fall on me. Now say thank you, Lord, and give God some praise. At home, you can say, Lord, fall on me. As I watch this sun, Lord, touch me. Lord, fall fresh on me. And then say thank you and give God some praise. We are starting out on a new series. I pray that this series, that God will allow me to preach it clearly and that it may speak to all of us. Whenever I preach, I'm preaching what God is saying to me. Doing in me. Showing me. So, many times at if you find it difficult because the word of God always calls us higher. I'm more bloody than you are. <laughs> I, I, I got cut when I received it. Got cut when, when, when I understood it. Got cut. What God does is, is like a it's like a tuning fork that you hit and it vibrates. When I'm preaching, I am vibrating. And if you are listening, the wave of what God is doing in my spirit ought to make you vibrate too. So in unison, there is a movement, a rhythm of the spirit that should be taking place throughout the entire house. The Holy Spirit speaks what we need, not what we want to hear. So today I'm sure I'm just going to give background, introduction. We're going to travel through all of Philippians chapter 3, but today I'm just going to read verse 1 and 6, and I won't get that far. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Reading it from the New King James. And it says in his word, Family, my brethren, Rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. 
Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcised, and that means in the spirit, who worship God in the spirit. Hallelujah. Look what he says again. Rejoice in Christ. Christ Jesus. Have no confidence in the flesh. I more also. Let's stop there. Have no confidence in the flesh. The series is called the Deconstructing Idols to resurrect the living Christ. This series, hopefully today, which I won't get through today, the, the, the sermon is no confidence in the flesh. Father, even now, move Tracy out the way and hide me behind your Shekinah glory. Lord, you speak. Lord, you direct. Lord, you give wisdom. Lord, make it clear. Penetrate the innermost part of our beings, even if we don't want you to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul is very close to the church of Philippi. He loves this church. In fact, I believe it is probably next to 2 Timothy, the most personal letter of all the letters. He bears his heart. He, he bears his convictions. He bears what motivates him in this book. In fact, when he writes this book, he's in prison. He's in prison for preaching the gospel, but yet he's not bitter. He, he doesn't demoan. Matter of fact, throughout the book, you will hear him say, rejoice. And he's not saying it from a standpoint of just having hope. He is in prison bound, but yet his circumstance don't have him bound. Mm -mm -mm -mm. He's not looking at what is happening to him. He is relying on who's holding him. Paul has learned to have confidence in God, and here he is in prison chained up to soldiers and, and Paul is, is, is worshiping. He, he's rejoicing. He, he is flying beyond his earthly circumstance and he is allowing the, 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 the manifestation of God's presence to give him joy in a joyless situation. He's satisfied. 
in a place where he don't want to be. He's content with having less than what he needs. He's in a deplorable situation, but yet he is allowing the 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 transcendentness, the beyondness of God to be bigger than his situation. Oh, shut your mouth. We complain and we got plenty. In America, other countries call us rich. But many times what we do, we look at what our neighbor has and we bemoan because we don't have what they have and we criticize God as though he hasn't given us enough and we got, we got refrigerator full, we got closet full, we got... How is it that Paul can say to this church that is going through persecution, rejoice. Let me, let me, let me, let me step into this. Paul is not saying, act like your situation isn't real. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, talk with like, like, like we have today. People, oh, oh, I'm blessed, I'm highly blessed, I'm highly favored. You didn't ask them that. You said, how are you? <laughs> he is not being super spiritual. This is not what he's saying. What he's saying to us is that in Jesus, by faith, it is possible that God's presence to be bigger than your present situation. He does it. God will come and walk with you. Ask the three, three Hebrew boys that when they were thrown in the furnace, the, the fiery furnace, and they were supposed to burn up, but the pre-incarnated Jesus, that's before he came to earth, he got in the fire with them and insulated them from the fire. If God can do it then, can he do it now? We count God too small and count our situation too big. is who he says he is or he's not. He either can do what he said he can do or he's not. You know what? You know what? I, I think the part of the problem is is that he doesn't do it the way we want him to do it. <laughs> I think the problem is he didn't answer what I wanted. Our attitude with God is it didn't work out the way we expected it to work out. God is not your bellhop. 
not my bellhop. And I had to come to terms with the fact that I do not set God's agenda. And neither do you. I had to learn that what God was doing was not trying to make me happy, but he was trying to make me better. Listen, listen, listen. Paul learned this through trials and tribulation, how to rest, how to depend on God in a situation that he did not like. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not in prison, and we look like we sucking on lemons. He says, rejoice me that, that, that one of the things that ought to be evident in our lives that we're walking in the fullness of Jesus, you ought to have some joy. When, what, how do we allow our situation to steal our joy? The devil is stealing our joy. The devil is stealing our peace. God is trying to teach us if you lean in on me. Matter of fact, I think God puts us in situations on purpose. He puts us where we don't want to be. He puts us in places that are uncomfortable. He puts us in dire straits so that we have no other choice but to look to the hills from which coming for our help because our help coming from the Lord. Paul's prison epistles are some of the deepest epistles. And I think where he's at help him to go deeper. And this, this wasn't prison, prisons like you got today. Some prisoners are living better than us. This, this is not the case. If you go to federal prison where rich people go, shoot. He's in a dungeon. Don't have air conditioning, don't have heat. Chained up to a, a guard 24-7. The guards don't change out, but the guards change out, but he don't go nowhere. My, my brothers and sisters, and he says, rejoice. I said, in the Lord. I was talking to somebody, and, 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 and I heard this from a number of people, and they said, you know, he said, they said, everything is good. I said, wait a minute. Everything, the Bible's not saying everything is good. It's saying that he works all things together for good. It's like God is baking a cake. 
you put some sweet stuff in it, you put some nasty stuff in it. Baking powder don't taste good. Raw eggs don't taste good. In fact, it would make you sick. But if you put that with some sugar and some butter, and butter by itself don't taste good. And you, you put that with the ingredients that needed to be mixed, and you put it in the right temperature, if you follow the recipe, when it comes out, everything came together for the good. Do you trust God with your past? That, that in spite of what you've been through, that you're still here? Do you, do you trust God that he's working even all that together for you? I, I'll be honest with you. I would not be who I am today if it had not been for my pain. I could not minister the people I minister to, I counsel to, unless I've been through what they've been through. Matter of fact, when God came and got me at 19, I wasn't ready for public consumption. <laughs> Took three and a half years of God deconstructing me. God has to deconstruct us because we have built up idols, we have built up attitudes, we have built up thoughts that is not compatible with who we are in Christ. And the funny thing is this, they don't fall like the wall of Jericho, all at one time and fall flat. You got to take it one stone, brick by brick, pull it up stuff, take it down some stuff, and all of us, if we let God, is in process. You can't say all of your attitude is Christ. You can't say all that you do is Christ. You got, you got still some deconstruction that still needs to go on in your life, and it don't feel good. But it's good for you. Look what he says. He said, for me, to write the same thing to you is not tedious. What he's saying is, sometimes I got to keep telling you. <laughs> you got to hear some things over and over and over. Heard of this pastor that had been preaching on love for a year. And, and one of his congregation came up to him and said, Pastor, when are you going to quit 
talking about love. The pastor said, when y'all start loving one another. <laughs> he said, I got to keep preaching this. I'm trying to get some fruit. And I'm keep preaching. And I haven't seen y'all move from where you at to love. So I got to keep on preaching it. I need a breakthrough. I'm watering the seed. I know I planted the seed, but I'm watering it now. How many times do God have to keep telling us the same thing? I've learned in my life that, that if I don't deal with the issue on the table, and you don't know what the issue is until you get serious and pray. At some point, we got to quit going through the ritual of saying what we want to say and getting up and leaving. At some point, we need to allow God to speak. You need to sit there, lay there, walk there, be quiet, and say, Lord, your servant is listening, and let God show you you. Deconstruction means that God is working on you. And before, before he can build you up or take you into a deeper purpose or give you the blessing he has for you, God has to tear down, root up. Jeremiah 1, verse 9 and 10. He's calling Jeremiah young in his age. And, and he said, Be, before you was in your mother's womb, I knew you. I knew your spirit before your mother knew she was pregnant. I already had purpose for you before conception take place. That's why abortion is wrong. Because before conception, that person already had a spirit. It's like in, it's like in Genesis. Genesis 1:27. God is speaking to their spirit. He created their spirit in 1:27. In Genesis 2:7, he he forms their body. He created their spirit out of nothing. But in Genesis chapter 2, 7, he took the dust of the earth and formed their body. And then he blew into them what he created in Genesis 1, 27. He's so far beyond us. <laughs> He's so ahead of us. When we humble ourselves and ask him, he will answer. When we, when we, when we, when we, when we choose to be obedient and trust him, even when we don't understand, he will bless us. Our entire life.
life is about are we going to walk with him in obedience? Listen, I'm not talking about perfection. That's because it's not about rules and regulations. I'm talking about relationship. I'm talking about when you fall, you cook the Lord, forgive me. Not for salvation, but because of the relationship. Lord, I don't want this standing between me and you. So, Lord, I'm going to get it out the way. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I just cut somebody out. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I've been walking around with a bad attitude. Forgive me. And help me not to allow this to surface. Take it out of me. I don't understand Christians who don't care about the fellowship. I, I, wonder, if, I wonder if we know him, if, if we say anything, do anything, yeah, 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 yeah. When you learn to love him, you are careful. Not out of fear, but out of reverence of who he is. Do not be afraid of them. I will rescue. And he says this to Jeremiah. I have set you to uproot, tear down, and destroy. We ain't going to get no further than this today, okay? (laughs) And what he's saying to, he's talking about Israel. He's talking about his chosen people. And what he's saying is, Jeremiah, things have grown up in them that does not look like me. We think that God is interested in this is wrong, this this is right, and, and stuck on being strict. Uh-uh. He said, I made you to look like me. To love like me. I put my DNA in you. You're born again. I put my spirit in you, and you are allowing your flesh, which is contrary to me, to to manifest itself through you instead of you allowing me to manifest myself through you. You don't look like me. I look in you and I see my spirit, but you're not letting my spirit show up on the outside. You think you know better than me. Let's be honest. Whenever we don't walk in obedience, it's because we think we know better than him. It's pride. It's ego. And then then, then, then what, what I'm learning is this, and then we have an attitude as though because I got away with it now, I'm gonna keep on getting away with it. 
you know, when I was growing up, the last thing we wanted to do was make our father mad. And you gotta understand, Miss Overleen, my mama, could take care of it all by herself. She'll make you go get a switch in the backyard. And if the switch wasn't good enough, she'd send you back. Many of y'all think my mom was sweet. She was, but she was go get your gun, Annie. <laughs> she was a fighter. And my mom didn't have to wait on my dad. Every once in a while, we did something. I remember, you know that silk, nylon, twine? I don't know what it was. We, me and my brother was playing cowboy Indians, and I was dumb enough to let him tie me up. I don't know how this happened. But while he was tying me up from neck to feet, he got tied up in it with me. <laughs> you can't break this stuff. So here we are, wiggling, trying to get out of the mess he made. <laughs> a fresh revelation, illumination of him. Then the author's talking to a, years ago, to a preacher. And he said, Jesus is the same as Muhammad. Jesus is the same as Buddha. And, and I, I sat there, I listened to him, I said, number one, if you believe that, you don't know Jesus and you don't see Jesus. Because you would not compare him to nobody else. In fact, they still in their graves. Jesus conquered sin 
and he conquered the grave for you and I. There's nobody but nobody like him. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, in a time when Israel wasn't looking at their Jehovah God, wasn't looking at the Lord. And here he was when Isaiah died, who was a great king at the beginning, but then he got fucked up with pride. And it said in the year, in the same year that we lost hope, in the same year, we wonder what's going to happen to us because our king has died. In the same year, with that which we have put our faith in and have become an idol, God took it away. We were then confusing. We were dismayed. In that same year, while I was in church service, something happened. God made a move. God took me from 40 Onaba Vita Strait to Heaven Boulevard, and I found myself sitting in the presence of the Lord, and I saw him. I saw the imprecanonic Christ high and lifted up. I saw the heavenly bees flying around him. With two wings, they was flying. With two wings, they covered their eyes. With two wings, they covered their feet. And they were saying, holy, holy, holy. Our God is holy. Our God sits high. Our God is mighty. Our God is awesome. Our God, Lord Jesus God, is God. You approach worship differently. You, you handle yourself differently. Did you know? Don't you know? You're a child. You're a child. You're a child. You're a child of the king. Isaiah said, I first saw him. I saw the worship of these powerful angels. And from the rays of his glory, a light fell on me. And I saw myself. He said, all of a sudden, I quaked in fear. All of a sudden, I was about ready to lose my mind. Because from his holiness, I saw my dirtiness. From his holiness, I saw my wretchedness. From his holiness, I saw how little I trusted. From his holiness, I saw I didn't belong here. From his holiness, I recognized I am nothing. From his holiness, I recognized I needed help. Do you know you need help? Do you recognize you're broken? Do you recognize you stand in need? Do you recognize you need a savior? Do you recognize you need him to walk with you and talk with you? 
church, don't go to church, and, and it blew me away. They said, it's because the people in the church have no passion. If we're not excited about the one we say is all this, why we expect anybody else to get excited? If we're not sold out and passionate about him, what, what, what? Okay, let me finish this. Isaiah said, listen what he says. He says, I am from the midst of a people with uncle. Notice what it said. Those people don't have, they have, un, they, they have unclean lips. No, 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 no. You start with you. Lord, have mercy. We act like we did it ourselves. I'm so glad. I'm so glad I was so wretched. Because I know where I came from. I know what I did. I know what's in me. I can't look down on nobody because I was probably worse. I had mercy on people. Mercy because I needed mercy. betrays 
who we say we are. All those promises that we're standing on none of them. We're quoting the news more than we're quoting the Bible. Is there faith in your conversation? Is there faith in the way we think? Is there faith? Is there faith? Don't you know our God is able? Don't you know our God is holy? Don't you know our God is loving? Don't you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Name is on the roll. 
is that you open up your heart. You open up your heart. You came to the place that you knew you needed him. And you asked him to come in. At home, you can, you can, you can, you can do it right where you at. And God will meet you where you are to take you where you need to be. You can stand. And those that need to come to the altar, God is prompting you. You just need to come as a sign of faith. You can come interceding for somebody else. You can come to the altar and, and group up, group up, group up. Because somebody needs to touch you. You need to touch somebody that they may know that they're not in this by themselves. Lord, 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 come on, come on, don't be ashamed. Matter of fact, you worried about somebody looking at you, well maybe they need to come too, but they won't. Bring your family, bring your friends. Let's touch and agree.